I want to talk to you this morning about our Heavenly Father. Amen? Amen. And my title is this, if you want to be a real man, know the real Father. If you want to be a real man, know the real Father. And I want to talk today about our view of God and how the way, and this isn't an excuse for anybody, but even the way we were raised and the things that perhaps we've heard throughout the years about our Heavenly Father can can kind of work its way in and give us a distorted view of who Jesus said the Father is. And I know on Mother's Day is a day where we celebrate our mothers and we hold them in high, high esteem. And then, of course, we get our men in church on Father's Day and we beat them up. Not so this morning. I want to encourage you and I want to lift you up as a dad this morning and tell you you're doing better than you think you are. Has anybody else had that question sometimes when you're fathering? You're like, man, am I doing this right? Am I, am I really hitting home? And I just want to tell you, we have the support of our Heavenly Father. We have, have God to help us and lead us and to bring us into all truth. And if there's ever a time in history, church, that we need real men to arise, it's the day that we're living in. And when I, when I say real men, I mean men who are passionately in love with Jesus, who love him more than anything else, who sacrifice their own comforts and their own way and even, even, their own, even their own thoughts on different things here on Father's Day. But I thought about the two, to me, the two most powerful words in all of the Bible. And this is so powerful because we know... This prayer, many can recite it because we learn it at a young age, and it's a wonderful prayer to learn, but I wonder if we don't lose the power of what Jesus told his disciples. You see, his disciples noticed something very different about the prayer life of Jesus. The Gospel of Luke brings out the prayer life of Jesus like no other gospel that we read because you see Jesus continually going off to a place to spend time alone and pray. And this was very different. The disciples obviously noted, noticed it and noted it, and they finally got up enough bravery and enough, you know, uh, to, to walk over and just ask him as their, as their teacher and said, Lord, teach us to pray. I can remember all the way back in Bible school when um, we had different ministries that we, that we had to be involved in. And these different ministries, we could go out and do street evangelism. We could go, you know, work in the church. There's a lot of different things. And I chose the nursing home ministry. There was something about elderly people that we just went in as a group, about 12, 15 of us, during a whole entire semester as an outreach that we were required to do as part of our schooling. And I remember one gentleman that I used to spend quite a bit of time with because he was kind of starting to, to lose some of his memory and, and really was kind of a handful for the people that worked there. And I just, I enjoyed going in there and talking to him when he was able to. But I, I noticed something about him. When he would get in a place where he didn't know what was going on and, and maybe did, wasn't real sure who I was and, and where he was, he would recite the Lord's Prayer in very rapid-fire form. Something deep down had gotten into his heart and into his soul that he knew who to cry out to. But... I think all of us, as a matter of fact, let me just test this out. Our Father, hallowed be thy name. Everybody knows that this morning because it becomes religious and routine. But I want to tell you the two most powerful words to me in all the Bible is when Jesus looked at his disciples and said, Our Father. 
Why do I say that? Because they would not, as disciples, as, as good Jewish men, would not have dared to call God Father. And actually the word used there, everybody say Abba. Abba. There was, there was a, an intimacy that Jesus had with the Father that he wanted to communicate to his disciples. And we just sang about his name. Let me give you a few of the names of God that, that they were talking about here in the New Testament. Everybody say El Shaddai. El Shaddai. That's a good one. That's Almighty God. El Elyon. Everybody say El Elyon. The Most High God. El Olong. God the Everlasting One. And El Barith. God of the covenant. The disciples, I'm, I'm just kind of thinking of them being in the position to ask Jesus, how do we pray? And instead of the Lord's Prayer being a routine and a religious something that we memorize and we recite, he was giving us a pattern of how to relate to the Heavenly Father. And these were the words that they would have used in relation to God in knowing who he is and understanding who he is. But he, Jesus said this, when you pray, pray as I pray, say, our Father in heaven. It would have been strange and it would have been very uncomfortable for them to begin to refer to God in an intimate, personal way. And I, I can imagine what I would have thought as he was teaching that. I would have begun to think, well, you're the son of God, the perfect one, right? You're, you're the one that has no sin. You do miracles. You open blinded eyes. You walk on water. Of course, you can call God that because in the place I am in and they were in, they understood that they were fallen sinners. Amen? Amen. But God, Jesus was telling them, no, you do not deserve to call him that. I am giving you a gift. Everybody say gift. Understanding who God is as our Father is a revelation and it is a gift that will absolutely change your life. The reason I say that is a famous theologian named Blaise Pascal said that in the beginning God created man in his image and every day since we have been returning the favor. What I mean by that is we see God in the wrong way. We relate to God in the wrong way. If your relating to God is, is off, it will affect every single relationship in your life. Are you following me? It will. If you don't have a revelation of how much the Father loves you and how much he is for you and how much he is drawing you continually closer to his heart, then every relationship in your life will be affected by that. Because, and I've said this many times, and I'll say it a million more if the Lord allows me to stand behind this pulpit, you, how you view God is how you'll live your life out. Your view of God is how you will live your life. If you view God in the proper way that Jesus taught us, and understand, 400 years of silence between Malachi and Jesus coming on the scene, 400 years of thinking that God had forgotten about them, 400 years of thinking God had turned his back, that he just wasn't for them anymore. They're under Roman occupation. Things aren't going well. There's a lot of heavy weight from life and, and walking through life and all the things that come with life. It was very hard and dark when Jesus comes on the scene. And they wanted to know, and they asked this question, we, we want to see the Father. And he said, if you've seen me, 
You have seen the Father. What does that tell us about God? It tells us that if you wonder what God is like, read the words of Jesus Christ. That's going, and when you get a proper perspective of who God is, it will filter down into every single area of your life because you'll be in proper relationship with him. Everybody say, Our Father. Because real men know who their God is. Church, especially to the men today on Father's Day, we, we are called to represent, which means represent the Father. And, and look, when you have kids, you begin to understand the heaviness and the weight. I know we have people here today that, you know, we just celebrated the shower and other babies are being born. We have other people here that are going to be expecting in a few months. And to those dads this morning, I want to tell you, that is a high calling to represent the Father because what begins to happen is the way that we represent the Father, not just to our families, but can I challenge everybody here today, to our coworkers, to our neighbors, to others around us, we are called to represent who He is. And you can't represent somebody that you are afraid of approaching. You can't, you can't represent somebody that you don't really know. If I'm going to be represented by somebody, I am going to choose somebody that knows me in a very intimate, personal way, right? And that invitation has been extended to the people of God. That is a celebration this morning. As we sang this morning, he is a good, good father. Our God is a good God. He is awesome. He is holy, yes. He is dwells in unapproachable light. But what I want to point out this morning is that all the ways that God the Father could have revealed himself when his son came to represent him on earth, he wanted his son to represent the Father, which is so powerful. We're living in a day and age where fathers need to step up once again. The men of God need to step up, even, that, even if that means get vocal sometimes, Right? We need to hold the line and toe the line and draw the line in a lot of ways and become the men of God that God has called us to be. Can I get a good amen? amen. Because as you'll see, statistically and scientifically is proven over and over and over and over again is as the fathers go in a country, so goes the country. As the fathers go in a family, so goes the family. Again, that's not to somehow lift up and elevate. God is awesome in the way that he created men and women to complement each other. Amen? He did. I appreciate my wife and what she brings to the family. You know, I used to say, this is years ago, I used to tell people, I said it a couple times preaching, I'm like, she's New Testament grace and I'm Old Testament judgment. That's, how, that's the relationship that we have. And that's flipped, hasn't it, Leah? <laughs> The kids come to me more to ask something. Hey, Dad, I just kind of want, you know. God's amazing, amen? amen? So how do we get to know God as a father? How, how do we do that this morning? I want to walk you down this path of taking a couple of examples of how we view God that are incorrect and then to give you a few examples of how Jesus came to present and to reveal the Father to us. And it may surprise you this morning. You you may leave here today and think, I've never seen God in that light. I want to tell you this is the truth of God's word. How do I get to know God better? First thing you need to do is get rid of stinking thinking. You do. 
the stinking thinking is anything outside of who God in his word revealed himself to be. Amen? If we have a negative and wrong image of God, it will affect every area of our life, from our relationships with others to our relationship with him. They can all be affected. Listen, Jesus didn't just come to die for your salvation, even though that is the most important thing that he did. He told us this. He told his disciples continually, I want you to know your heavenly father. So first thing we ask is, everybody say, whose I am. Before you ever get to who I am, you've got to understand whose you are. You have to understand of who you belong to. The person who knows he is a creation of Almighty God and the redeemed of a loving Savior is likely to have a different kind of life from one who doesn't. Real men know who they belong to. And why does that make a difference? So many men I've met, they have a wrong view of God that translates into their everyday life. Because we don't see God as he is, we tend to see God as we are and the way we see God shapes our world. Let me say that again. We don't tend to see God as he is. We tend to see God as we are. Are you following me? So here are some ways that we view God that are incorrect. Number one, the way we view God that scripture plainly paints a different picture of is the cop around the corner. We do. I don't know about you, but when I see a police officer in my rearview mirror, I'm like (laughs) making sure the seat, I'm like combing my hair. What what? I don't care what my hair looks like. I'm losing it anyway, you know? But how many people do you run across? And I'm talking to mostly believers here this morning. How many people do you run across that hold that view of God? Have you ever run across somebody that basically God has a record book and I'm on it and he's just waiting in those dark areas of my life with a radar gun in one hand and a lightning bolt in the other, and he is just ready to zap me for whatever thing that I do. That is a view of God that has been wrongly propagated through the church and through his people because of a wrong way that we view him. Matter of fact, I'm probably doing something wrong right now. (laughs) Right? If that's your view of God, then all you are is about the last bad, wrong thing that you did, the last sin, and it's a wrong view of God. The second way that we view God that is incorrect is the, just the sweet old man, right? George Burns with the big black glasses. In popular culture, we see this, you know, God is the very long beard, The reason that that is a wrong view of God and the reason it can affect the way that you live your life is because you can view God as out of touch with the the Wi-Fi, Internet, fast travel. You can get on a plane this morning in Tampa and be in England having breakfast at dinner tonight. I mean, that's the kind of fast-paced life that we look around, and here's what we think when we view God wrongly as just this sweet old fella who, you know, just wants to pat you on the head and not be involved in your life and just kind of usher you on your way. You can't view him as the cop around the corner that's just waiting to bust you, and you also can't view him as a God that is out of touch with everything going on in your life because he is very in touch with everything going on in your life. Because he's our father. Raise your hand if you're a father in here. Do you care about what's going on with your kids at any given moment? Absolutely. 
And then the third, and I think this is where everybody can relate to, and I've talked about this before, but it's so important to understand this. We view God as our parents supersized. We do. How you were raised will affect how you view God. That's why parenting and fathers in here, I want you to hear me for just a minute and understand, we have a tremendous role in the life of our kids. And I want to give a shout-out to single moms because God's going to anoint you to represent both. I I mean, I salute you single moms who are carrying a, a, a weight far heavier. Lee and I talk all the time. We look at each other and say, thank God we got each other, right? To lean on and to encourage and to pray and to agree in prayer and all these things. And you appreciate that. You appreciate that we have a tremendous role as parents to do what? Represent God. So my point is we better know who he is so that we can represent him well. I'll just share something personal with you this morning that may kind of exemplify what I'm talking about. When you view God as your parents supersized, when I was roughly 12 years old, between 12 and 13 years old, and this was shocking to me. I knew my parents didn't get along super well, but to come to me and say, hey, we're going to split up and get a divorce really affected me at that age. And here's what I carried into my relationship with God 10 years later when I finally surrendered to him. It was always held in the back of my heart and my mind because of my relationship with my parents starting at a very young age. God's going to leave me, right? Can I tell you, he'll never leave you and forsake you. I came to tell you this morning that our God is faithful. You're safe with him. You are. You're safe with the Father. And we don't view him that way. We, We let other people's opinions. One of the best things you can do is open your Bible and begin to read it. Not with preconceived notions, but to find out who God is. And I promise you the Holy Spirit will reveal him to you. In spirit and in truth. Everybody say, God is faithful. We can depend on our Heavenly Father. He is a dependable and He is faithful. Now, you may be sitting here and say, the situation that I'm walking through is anything but good, and it's anything but encouraging, and it's anything but what I would like to be walking through. But can I tell you something about our Heavenly Father? He has a much bigger picture than what you could ever see. I remember a a commercial many years ago, and it was a TV station commercial over in Louisiana. And I think it was, it might have been even further back when I lived in Pensacola or back in Ohio. But I remember it was a close-up shot of a woman sitting in a car. And the woman is sitting there, and the close-up shot, a man walks up to the door. He pulls the car door open, and he begins to pull her out of the car. And as you watch this commercial for the first time, you're horrified. What's this man doing to this woman? And the the camera begins to pan back and get a broad picture, and it turns out the car's on fire, and he's actually saving her from danger. Can I tell you something this morning? When I say God is faithful, and you begin to just shrink back a little bit, and you think, well, I don't understand why this is going on. I don't understand why this is against me. I don't know why I lost my job or my, my relationship with my children and what I want it to be. I want to tell you something. God has a much broader view than what we have. And the things as a father that he will walk us through is to teach him his nature, to teach us his nature, and also to show us his faithfulness and his goodness, his love, his mercy, his kindness, and his chastening. Amen? Amen. 
very clear that he says every son and daughter that he receives, the Lord chastens. Now, chastening doesn't seem good for the season that it is, but it produces the fruit of righteousness and faith and all these things in our life. Even when God is disciplining us, he's doing it out of love. We don't hold this view of God. Often we fail to see the big picture and we question the the past of life that God allows us to enter. Can I tell you what will cure that this morning? And men, I want to encourage you, if you've walked with God for decades and years, you have learned of the faithfulness of God. Sit down around a campfire or a fishing pole or at a dinner table or somewhere else, especially you grandfathers, and you begin to just tell people of the faithfulness of God. That's the greatest gift that my grandfather ever gave me. He began to instill in me at a very young age that I was loved and that I was cared for and that I had a heavenly father who was going to walk through every season with me. I didn't believe it at that time, but I got saved all those years later at 23 years old. You know, let me say this. When we, when we all stand before the Lord in heaven and we all will stand before him to give an account, I don't think that most of us in here, maybe you're different, I don't think most of us are going to say, I trusted you too much. (laughs) I think most of us are going to say, why didn't I trust you more? I believe that with all of my heart. Because I sat down with my grandfather when he was discipling me, and I had a very big issue and something major going on in my life. And uh, I sat down with him, and, and I began to share that. And I expected him to get real nervous and concerned. I understand he had been pastoring for 43 years, walking with the Lord for probably 46, almost 50 years at that point. And he began to just tell me of the faithfulness of God. And I looked at him and I said, well, you have more faithful faith in me. And he looked back and he said, no, I just have more experience with a faithful God. God is faithful. He is. So when we take the way that some of us view God as the one that's just waiting to blast you for something or distant or going to leave at the first problem or the first thing that we see going on in our lives, we think he's just going to take off. Or even your parents supersized. In other words, we all had parents at one time and, and maybe they've gone on to be with the Lord. Maybe they've passed away, but we all have that in common that we can view God by the way that we were raised. And and that's not to make an excuse for that. We use that as an excuse, let me say that. Well, my parents, can I tell you, just get over it. Read your Bible. Get to know the Father through the gift of the Holy Spirit and revelation. And you'll begin to see just how good he is. You'll begin to get a clear picture because, again, the way you view God directly translates to how you will live out your life. And the way that you live out your life can bring honor and glory to our Heavenly Father. When we trust Him in spite of the circumstances, when, when we're walking through a hard time that may not be any fault of your own, He loves for us to continue to trust Him. I know I talk about my grandfather a lot, but he was so key in my life. And I watched him walk through such hard times the last five, six, seven years of his life, the years he was, you know, supposed to be retired and uh, supposed to just be kind of enjoying life. Right after he retired, my grandma got Alzheimer's. 
and then he began to experience some congestive heart failure and some issues in his life. My grandfather just used to look at me and trust me. He said, the biggest question God's always going to ask you is, do you trust me? I came to tell you something this morning. You can trust him because of who Jesus revealed him to be. And in Luke 15, we all know this story. In Luke 15, Jesus is telling the group and people that are gathered there that day. Because in Luke 15 is the story of the prodigal son. Everybody say prodigal son. son. It's called the prodigal son because we see in the story the son comes to the father and he says, basically, in their culture, if you wanted your inheritance before your parent was dead, (laughs) you wished that they were dead, right? I'm not going to save anything to give to my kids. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Just in case. But he, he comes and he says, I want my inheritance. And the father gives it to him. He says he goes off to a far land and lives in a way that he blows all the money. And in that story, we focus on the son. But really, I think Jesus was putting the focus as equally on the father. And what the father, you see, the father, while the son was away, didn't just throw his hands up and say, well, I don't care about him anymore. It says he waited, he watched, and he worried about the disconnection of relationship that came through no part of the father but came through a son who just didn't want to have anything to do with it anymore. And we see in that story a picture of God because if you want to get a picture of God that counteracts the cop around the corner that's just waiting to bust you for something or your parents supersized or what may be in your heart and in your life where you view God wrongly, Jesus came to reveal because it would have been amazing to the people that were there and listening that day to think of of a Jewish man in a robe watching and waiting. And it says this, and this is beautiful, while he was a long way off, the father girded up and began, began to run to greet him, run and accept him. There's always three people, three elements in a story that Jesus told almost every parable. And the key of every parable was that that Jesus wanted the people listening to find themselves in one of the three characters. That's what every parable, almost every parable had three elements to it. So there there are people here today that you've run away from God, you've run far from him, you've, you've decided that you would rather live apart. And can I tell you something this morning? If it hadn't happened in this moment, it will happen when you come to yourself. If you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, blessed is the man who trusts in him, that is so deep down on the inside of you, and you may have just had a wrong view of God and who he is, and you're kind of afraid to come back. But the other person in the story, and this is where I never want to be, is the elder brother, right? Jesus came to reveal who the Father was, and he says, if you want to know who your heavenly Father is, He's like the the bleary-eyed dad waiting, watching, and worrying because he cares about you so much. And the elder brother, their attitude was this. I can't believe you would love somebody like him. I can't believe you would receive somebody like him. He wanted, he, he didn't even want to have anything to do with you to the point he wanted his inheritance, which meant, can I tell you how loving and forgiving God is today? He is. He loves you. So 
understanding Luke 15 and understanding the picture that Jesus, again, he told his disciples, you want to know who the Father is? You want to know who he is? You've seen him. He's exactly like what I've told you he is, and he told parables. My, my other second favorite this morning is in John 15. I think John 15 is one of the most powerful, most awesome passages of Scripture in all the Bible. Not only is it amazing that Jesus looked at them and said, here's how you pray, our Father. And again, I'm sure they thought, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not calling him that. I'll call him El Shaddai. I'll call him Elohim. I'll call him Yahweh. I'll call there, there can't be that level of intimacy. You, yes, but me, no. And Jesus was very clear, this is the gift that I'm offering you, is no, you're not going to come to him in your name. You're going to come to him in my name. It's a gift. And in John 15, the reason I say it's one of the most powerful passages of Scripture is that Jesus says, not only is your father like a bleary-eyed father just wanting and expecting and wanting you to come close to him and come home. He's saying, secondly, he's like a loving gardener. Right? How many have a green thumb in here? I used to. I walked out on my front porch just a few days ago, and there's just a dead plant right there on my little table on my front porch. It's dead as a doornail. But to understand God not only as a bleary, teary-eyed father that's expecting the prodigal to come home. He also relayed that he is like a green thumb gardener. What does that mean in the day that they lived in where they immediately could have said, I've never thought of God that way to the people he was talking to. What it means to me, and understand in that day, they didn't grow, you know, the vines. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches, if... That's a choice. If you abide in me, everybody say abide. Abide. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. But then he goes on to say, any branch that isn't, I was a horticulturalist at one time in my life, had my own business. And it was always amazing that when I'd walk up and evaluate a plant, there would be certain limbs that were not bearing fruit and not healthy that would grow up through the middle of a plant. And one of my jobs was to identify it and to begin to cut it off. Why? Because it was sucking life out of the plant, but it wasn't bearing any fruit. And in that day, they didn't grow the vines like up straight. These vines grew along the ground. And here's the picture that Jesus was painting. Jesus was painting a picture of a loving gardener that would get down into, right here into the place in life, in, in people's lives, that would plant things and begin to water things, and begin to nurture things. In other words, he was showing a side of God that is very nurturing in his nature, that when he gets down into the places of your life, can I tell you, he is not afraid of the dirt and the mess. He's not. That would have been astounding to say, okay, he is the vine, and I am the branch, and whomsoever abides in him. Everybody say, stay. Men of this church, if I could tell you the main thing that you need to do to be a successful dad this morning, and trust me, trust me, when I started to have kids, I had three opinions, and now I got two kids and zero opinions on how to raise them, because they're all so different, amen? Amen. 
But I want to encourage you. Everybody say stay again. Stay. If you want to be successful in your spiritual life, can I tell you what it takes? Stay. <laughs> when you want to run, stay. When you want to run from God, stay. When you think life has overwhelmed you and nothing good is growing out of your life, stay. Because not only is he a good father who waits on the prodigals, but he also is, is deeply involved in your life. He's watering. He's nurturing, nurturing. And if there's something not bearing fruit, he will take care of it. Amen. He, Jesus, is the vine. We are the branch. And Jesus said, if you want to know the key to your spirituality this morning and growing in God, you've got to stay in Him. Stay close to the vine and abide in Him. Amen? Hallelujah. Jesus taught us this, to never fear talking plainly to our God like a son or daughter would to a father. Amen? Think of your last prayer. Was it kind of religious and stale and dry and dull? Can I tell you what will liven up your prayer life? Seeing God as your heavenly father. It's as simple as saying, God, I love you. God, I put you before my family and my career and my job, and I put you before everything else. And, Father, I just wanted you to know that I need you to forgive me and wash me clean every single day, and I desire you to work in my life, and I want to abide in you. And let me tell you, your Father hears your prayer because he's good. If we choose to stray instead of stay, we are warned our lives will be lifeless, empty, and disconnected. If we choose to stray instead of stay, everybody say stay again. It's amazing how I struggle and strive and stray when all God has asked me to do is stay. If that is your spiritual life as a father and a man of God, I've got good news for you this morning. God doesn't want you to struggle. He doesn't want you to stray. He wants you to stay in him, stay in that life-giving, abiding Holy Spirit that is within you because he will get in there as a good gardener. And when he sees things, when we used to plant trees back in the day, I mean, we used to plant big trees. Most of them that I was in charge of planting actually had to be brought in with a crane and set down in the hole. So they were sometimes upwards of a six-inch caliper tree because the area that I worked in in Columbus, Ohio, had a lot of wealthy people out in the area that Les Wexner was building. Uh, It's called New Albany, Ohio, and we were the company that was contracted to do all the trees throughout this whole community. And it's amazing. People who have money don't want to watch a tree grow. (laughs) They don't. I remember one guy, he he spent $150,000 on trees that we had to rent a crane from a company and go over top of his house because he could see the neighbor's um, yellow slide on their kid's playground from through the trees that were there. Isn't that crazy? But when we put that tree in the ground, and this is where God is, the picture of him as a father that's, that's ready to wrap his arms around you this morning, and the picture of him as a loving gardener. When I used to plant those large trees in the nursery that we got them from, and we had our own nursery, Davy Tree Company has a nursery up in Wooster, Ohio. So we grew all of our own trees that were from our tree farm. But some of those nursery workers wouldn't check around 
the very bottom of the where it came up out. So we used to plant them. We'd cut the burlap away. We'd take the, the metal basket and we'd bend it all back and put it down in there. We'd begin to fertilize and begin to tenderly make sure that it had the best start that it possibly could to grow. But there was something you had to watch out for, and it was something called a girdling root. And if the nursery people had never noticed it, and I found probably 30% of the time they hadn't, and the, the homeowner would always come out about the time that it was almost finished planting to admire their big $20,000 tree <laughs> and come out and begin to talk to you. And they'd always ask me, what are you doing? And it didn't, it didn't look like, because you're cutting something. I want my tree left alone. It's mine. I paid you. But there was a root, if you didn't notice, it would begin to grow up and begin to girdle around the very trunk of that thing right below the surface. And I would get in there with my pruners or even sometimes my little saw and begin to prune that off and begin to check all the roots. Why? Because I wanted the tree to have the best possible outcome of growth and health and fruit. And when you view God as a God, when you commit your life to him, when you begin to follow him and you have the right view of who he is, he is going to get down into the soil of your life. And look, that's not always pretty, amen? It's not. When God begins to reveal who you really are, you have one of two things you can view him as. Well, I knew you were the, I knew you were the God who was just waiting to bust me, right? I knew you were the God that was just waiting to get me for everything I've done wrong. When God says, no, 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 no. I am like a gardener that's going to make sure that you have the best fruit in your life that you possibly can. He'll get down in there and work and fertilize. So we must understand who God is. When Jesus said, our Father, we have to understand whose you are. And then is, is speaking to the fathers today, especially, you need to know who you are. Because a man who doesn't know who he is will begin to fulfill himself with all kinds of unhealthy things. We ask ourselves a question, what am I here for? That's a question that we all ask. What am I here for? A real man needs to know his role in life, why he was put on earth. Is it to find himself and express himself? That's what you hear in popular culture, right? Well, you just got to find yourself. No, you need to find Jesus. A lot of men, even at a certain time and age, will begin to even shirk their duties, right? Isn't that about middle age? Like middle age crisis? I told you the other day, I said, you watch me closely. Because I've been making fun of people in public for five years that... Wearing the New Balance shoes, and they've got the haircut real good. You know, a little bit older than me, and I'm like, they go out and get in the Mustang. If you're driving a Mustang, please forgive me for that. Camaro or Mustang. Just the other day, I sent Leah a picture because she was gone, and I now have a 1990 Jeep with no top on it. And I walked by the mirror, and I had a sleeveless cut-off shirt on. And I said, it's me. I called her, and I said, Leah. You were supposed to tell me if I was becoming one of those people. You do. I'm going straight through it. How can I make it through that? I can make it through because I know who my Heavenly Father is. I'm telling you right now, two of the, two of the toughest, toughest transitions while we're facing life, and you guys know this, toughest transitions, and I call them curves. I, it was explained to me by a pastor I was having dinner with a lot of years ago as missionaries. And he just looked across the table at me. He said, 
Jason, let me tell you, and I told him at that time we were 30, 31, and newly married, we're sitting across the table, and he said, let me tell you, and he was much older. He was probably in his 60s or 70s, and um, Johnny Wade Sloan up in Hamilton, Ohio, and uh, he looked at me, and he said, look, the two toughest transitions are when you're young, and he said, it's like a big track that you would run around, and how many know that 15 to 20-year-olds are just lost as a goose sometimes, right? That's why we're, they're up there hopefully getting the word of God and understanding about life. And then he said, when you get older in life, there's another transition and curve, and you better keep your eyes on Jesus and know who he is in an intimate way because you want to make it around both of those curves successfully and with more passion for God than what you went into him. And that's what my desire is. But you've got to know who he is. You've got to know what he's doing in your life. And you have to know and, and hopefully get rid of the wrong negative views of who God is and be able to focus on who he revealed himself to be. Because when you know whose you are, you know who you are. And then you ask the question, what am I here, here for? And then you say, I know what I'm here for. And you know where you are going. Amen. Stand with me this morning. Alexis, if you'd come. If you all see me in my Jeep and a cutoff shirt, mind your business. Just, just, mind, just mind your business. Let me walk through this right now. Oh, God's so good. That's what I came to tell you. It may... You may be sitting there and say, oh, that's a simple word. I don't think we'll ever grow beyond the revelation of who God is. So many people, so many people have a wrong view of our Heavenly Father. Those who are being baptized, I want to invite you guys to go ahead and be dismissed as we do our altar time here, our, our time where we focus on Him. And, and understand, first group of people that I want to talk to, if you just give me your attention while they go out, first group of people I want to talk to is... Perhaps you have just run away from God because you misunderstood who he is and what he was trying to do in your life. So bow your head and close your eyes here for just a moment. They call it prodigal because they wasted their time, their resources, and everything on things that didn't matter. And they ran away from the heart of the Father. They... They turned and walked away from the one who loved them more than anyone else. And I want to tell you this morning, God loves you more than anyone you've ever met and anyone you will ever meet. But as I've talked about God as a father, it's important to understand biblically the truth of God's word. That we're all created in the image of God, but we do not share God as a father unless you have repented and put your faith in Jesus Christ. That's the truth of God's word. That as we, as we understand who he is, there's an invitation to come back to his loving arms. Or you may be here today and say, who wouldn't want to serve that God? I want to give my life and turn it over to him. And I want you to do this for me as we bow heads and close eyes. If that's you and just say, hey, I need to come back to the Lord, would you just shoot your hand up right there where you are? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let me ask this. You've never committed. And I, when I say committed, I mean you have decided 
that you are going to live your life for something beyond yourself, and his name is Jesus Christ, where you make him Lord of your life. God loves you. He loves you just the way that you are standing here today, but he loves you too much to leave you in your sin, in your, your sickness, in your, the, the things going on in your life. So I want to ask this question. Who, who would say I want to commit to Christ for the very first time? Would you shoot your hand up? Amen. Prodigals, I want you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I come to you with an honest heart and an open heart. I thank you today that you're a good father, that you love me, and that you have a path and a plan for me. I ask you today to receive me back into your loving arms. I repent of my sin. And I come to you. I ask you to change me. Wash me clean. And receive me. In Jesus name. Amen. We got the kids coming in. And we got the youth coming in for baptism. So uh, Alexis is going to lead us in good, good father. While we go back and begin our baptisms. Amen. So just let's worship for just a minute. Amen. You can be seated in the house this morning. Isn't this a great day to be able to baptize people into the kingdom of God? It's wonderful, wonderful. As we always do, we want to speak the word of the Lord over everybody being baptized. And this is to Shea Miller, and we're going to baptize her here in just a moment. Can I get you to stretch your hands out this way, and let's bless Shea this day. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless Shea. Father, I thank you that before she was formed in her mother's womb, God, you had a plan, a purpose, and an anointing upon her life. Father, I thank you for the gifts and the callings that you have placed in and upon her. And God, you have called her for such a time as this. So Father, we speak the word of the Lord today over her as a church family. That she is washed in the blood, she is blessed, and she is highly favored in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray the favor of God would follow her all the days of her life, that mercy and kindness would be hers and that it would flow through her to other people. And I see that, Deshae. I see that mercy and kindness is going to be something that the Holy Spirit literally gives you for others. You will be his voice and you will be like a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. You may not understand that now, but when you get put in certain circumstances and situations, there will be an anointing rise up upon you. And there will be an anointing come upon you where you will declare the word of the Lord over situations and you will see them change in Jesus' name. Father, bless that. We pray that she would be filled with your spirit from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. That, Lord God, this water would truly be a water of renewal for her today. That, Lord, the old is gone and behold, the new has come. As we celebrate with her, her commitment to you and her desire to follow you in the death, burial, and resurrection that this symbolizes today, Father. So, Tashea, because of your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of Jesus.
This is Miss Danielle, and she's going to come down in this water. And we are so appreciative of her and her commitment to the Lord and her help here. She is such a help to this church. Why don't you keep that way, Danielle? Why don't you stretch your hands out this way and let's bless Danielle. Father, Danielle is blessed going in and blessed going out. She's blessed in her home, and we pray your blessings upon her family that, Lord God, the example that she is following today is not just an example for her, but, Lord, it's an example for her children and her children's children. Father, I declare over her today that she is blessed, that, God, the anointing that you have placed upon her, and, Danielle, I believe it's an anointing to even see the broken and those who other people don't notice will be attracted to you, Danielle. They will find their place and they will find an encouraging word and a loving heart because that is what the Lord has anointed you. As a matter of fact, I just hear the Holy Spirit, even when Jesus came into the synagogue and he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. You are anointed and you are put in a position in the exact place at the exact time. The Lord wants you to know that nothing is by accident and you are surrounded by the people you're supposed to be surrounded with, and God has placed around you the people that you can reach and you can touch for Him. So God, today, we bless Danielle. We bless her kids. We bless every area of her life. God, today, that your Holy Spirit would anoint her in a greater way than you already have, that she is obedient to follow you today into these waters so that new life can be raised again. God, we speak new life over her. We speak new joy over her. We speak new new peace over her. And God, all the good things of the kingdom will be hers and be in abundance. Danielle, because of your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> that was a good cheer. Yes. I can hear you all the way in here. Miss Jessica, you're next. Um, come right up there. Sit right here and point your legs that way. Behold, all things have become new. The old has passed away. There's a new day, a new day dawning in your life and in your husband's life this day where you've decided to follow him with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. God, I pray that the the power of the Holy Spirit of God would fall right now in these waters and in this room and in this church. And God, like the river of life that flows from your very throne, God, you said that river flows and everywhere it touches, it brings life. So God, I declare over her the life and the love and the acceptance. You are accepted in the beloved. You have been called by the King of kings and the Lord of lords to lay aside every sin and every weight that besets you and to run the race that is before you with your eyes completely focused upon him. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you would fill her, that you would gift her, that you would give her a voice to even speak to those, God, who are on the fringe, 
And then, Lord, they would see the light, and they would see the life, and they would see the burning fire of the Holy Spirit within her heart and life. God, we break every, every single devil and demon that has tried to follow her, God. We put up a no trespassing sign, and we put up, God, today in the Spirit, that, God, she is covered in your blood. She is washed clean. And this today, Father, will be just another another act of obedience that will bring her to the level that you want her to be. Father, I thank you that you've delivered her, that you've saved her, and you've set her feet upon a rock that is Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Behold, all things have become new. That's what I hear over you, Jessica. God is not only giving you renewal and redemption and a victory over every sin, but He is also bringing healing into your life and relationships. So Lord, let those relationships, God, today be mended and may they be brought together. Father, because of her profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we now baptize her in the name of Jesus. This is Jessica's husband, David Lee. David Lee is uh, in the sanctuary now for about seven months, and uh, God's delivered him of, of drugs, alcohol, and has set his feet upon a new path today. We celebrate that, brother. We celebrate what God is doing in your life, and I just want to speak over you that this is just the beginning for both of you. When you get out here in a few months, God wants you to know that as you guys keep him at the center of your life individually and then your life corporately together. God is going to open doors that no one can shut. God is going to bless you abundantly because that's who he is. You keep following him through the highs and the lows and the ups and the downs and you will be amazed at where you will be in a few years because God's favor and blessing we believe today is upon you, David Lee. Thank you for the washing of your blood. Thank you, God, today for this man and what you've called him to do and the fact that he will reach many, Father, for your kingdom. We bless him. We ask the Holy Spirit that you indwell and, and fill the overflowing. That, God, there are people out there that he will be able to minister to and minister life and love. So this day, we as a church family, we bless him. And, God, I ask that the Holy Spirit just come powerfully upon him and you would anoint him. In Jesus' mighty name. David Lee, because of your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
I believe the Lord wants to speak over you and wants you to know unequivocally and without any shadow of a doubt, Adam, He loves you. The steps that you've taken to begin to grow, I see it just like a little sprout beginning to sprout up. And I believe the Lord's saying over you today, Adam, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Do not neglect the small obediences and do not, do not look for the enemy to not come in and it's going to be little things. It's going to be the little foxes. You need to be on guard against the little foxes, the Bible says, that try to ruin the vine because God is growing in your life. God is sprouting up and God is going to make you an oak of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Where others may fall and others may be blown over by the storm, as you are planted in him and your roots continue to go down deeper and deeper and deeper, he is going to make you somebody who stands strong for him. Lord, as we have, we have declared your goodness and your mercy and your love and the fact that you are our Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray today that the gifts of the Holy Spirit would be activated in Adam, that this is much more than water and much more than obedience to be baptized, but it is a day of fresh beginnings and a new horizon. And Lord God, we pray that you would rise upon Adam with healing in your wings. God, heal him from past, bring unity into his relationship, and help him be the daddy that you've called him to be, Father, today. Lord God, we bless Adam. We pray he would be blessed in everything he puts his hand to. And that, God, you would lead and guide him all the days of his life, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Adam, because of your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of Jesus. somebody this morning it's it and when you get it it's root beer okay told somebody this morning if they drive by while we're handing these out they're going to be like what kind of church is that it's root beer and we just wanted to bless you with it as a little gift for you as a dad as you go out the doors don't forget to get one lift your hands with me as i bless you christian center father i bless christian center today may they be blessed going in and blessed going out may they be blessed at home and may they be blessed at work Father, I pray today that your holy and wonderful face would turn towards them and shine upon them and you would give them peace and you would give them rest and you would give them protection, God, today. Father, we dedicate this Father's Day to understanding how good you are to us. Let us rest in that and let us go in peace knowing that you're working in our lives, Father. Father, bless Christian Center until you bring us back together at the appointed time, Lord. Father, we're careful to give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Amen. Go in the name of the Lord and be blessed today. Have a wonderful Father's Day with your families.